Hey, everybody, here's part two with my man, KG. That first part was a banger, right? It was so good. He always brings new stuff to it. Like a lot of the things he talks about as like experiences he's having in those moments too, which is great, post his new big recapitalization uh, and his new ghettoization of the plan to to ghettoize the nation. So enjoy this podcast with him. But don't forget, if you didn't hear it the first time, you can subscribe to our new home services podcast, to the point home services podcast, just by simply going to the website, rhinoss.com and then click on the podcast page. And there it is. And all it's glory, this big white button that you click on, it says subscribe, you enter your email address and you're good to go. And it will share with you all the podcasts from that previous month. Enjoy number two of a man, K G. This is to the point, a rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. What do you think this? Um, I want to. I want to. You start to kind of talk about like market correction things like that, and I do want to get to it before I get there. Where do you think like the whole PE game is headed? like over these next couple of years. And I know, I've been, yeah, I know you've been asked this question quite a bit, but as I think about it today, based on what I've seen kind of happening in the market, um, where is it headed? I mean, is it, can it stay as aggressive as it is now with these multiples? It can't go all the way back to where it was though, right? I don't think it can go all the way back, but can it, is it going to stay that aggressive? Well, you can look back at other roll-ups and see what they did. I know there was a, there's still remnants of a roll-up on um, fire monitoring, fire, building fire, fire monitoring, mm-hmm. sprinklers, things yep, like that. Yep, you're talking about. And, uh, you know, the multiples, I think they got up to as high as 14, and like Cintas and, and companies like that got into the game and uh, bought a bunch of stuff. But then they, now they start to have slowed down. But to your point, they're not going back to four. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I just, I don't, I th- I feel like with the volume of now we'll, of firms in, in it, that as opposed to what used to be, it seems like it'd be very difficult to go back too far. So the reason I ask that question is, so does that make this, you know, or the listener or the contractor maybe more prone ongoing to partnering with private equity than before? Because there is more opportunity that's still really good versus it being a four or like a smaller multiple. I mean, does it make it more appealing ongoing the next few years? Because, Hey, we know like, even if it goes down, it's still going to be great. Well, right now, you know, right now is this probably the peak or you're where it's going to be. So yeah, I think this is the time if, if you want to play the game at all, this is the time to get involved. Windows wide open. Yeah. Um, just make sure that you understand your why, like why, why, why yeah. am I doing this, and what does that mean to me? Exit plan, whatever. And let me tell you, look, I, there's there's a lot of guys I've talked to that have nice companies, really nice businesses, and you know, they don't want to really step out and get into a, a, a harder game, you know, a faster game. Um, so, like, why, like, why would you sell it? Again, start looking at like the PE guys do though. PE guys look at it maybe like maybe how we should have been looking at it when we started the businesses. I mean, we started just like Michael Gerber said. 
we had a, we knew a trade and we had an op- entrepreneurial seizure. It said, okay, we're going to be, now we're business people, right? Well, these people are looking at it uh, as, as a, like a piece of, like a building. I know that building will rent for this much money and it's, it'll cash flow this much money. They're not worried about the internal systems and the plumbing and how it all works and the landscape. They don't even think about it. That thing cash flows this. They're looking at our business is like that thing cash flows this. And while we understand that elements of leadership and management say that you should be involved in the culture and you know build your company, we understand it. But take a step back from your business and look at it as the asset that it really is and how do you maximize the value of that asset. And so let's say you don't go in the PE game, but you ought to play like you're in the PE game, meaning that you are tracking the value of the company. You know, you are looking at your growth. You're looking at your, your growth and your, your long-term goals for your business, but including that is the value of the company, what you think it's worth today. And you're always hedging your decisions based on that because at any time, anything can happen, right? Life changes, life happens. You may want, may want to sell it. You may need to sell it. So always pay attention to the value. It's no different. You know, I do a lot of real estate. It's no different than, you know, I got this big piece of land and has this little farmhouse on it. And I'm going to do this with the farmhouse and I'm going to carve off 20 acres here and I'm going to sell that to this guy to develop commercial. And I'm going to do, you know, you're just working this thing that you built. You understand? Yeah. So if you act like your PE every single day, you're going to be driving that business to the best outcome possible to maximize the outcomes to, um, to clearly understand the numbers, the cause and effects, and really have a high fidelity of the numbers and, and the internal operations. Got it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, it's, it's, I was, until we start talking, I always forget how much you dabbled in real estate for so, for a long time now too. Um, but in regards to, well, speaking of real estate, as we go into like, it, I've heard the term, you know, recession coming up and I feel like that seems a little, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm, this is just, this is subjective, but it seems like a little bit harsh of a word to use on what I think we're about to experience. I don't think it's going to go back to maybe like 07 or 08, like that whole, and maybe it is, I don't have no idea, but, um, I don't feel like it's, even if we go into it, let me position this differently. I started my company in 2008 and, and we thrived. But part of the reason was, is people were looking for things that they didn't normally do because fear set in, right? And they were like, oh my gosh, businesses, things have changed. The norm has changed. We're going into recession. Anybody who was doing new construction, felt the pain of those things. So they were trying new things and, and I was a new thing because I was in the digital the digital space. This is 2007, 2008. Um, we thrived in the recession and, and a lot of our customers thrived. Now, I was much smaller of a business than I am because I was brand new today. But then even going into like um, the pandemic for us, again, we thrived in the pandemic and so did our customers. Because, well, different situation. People were home more. It was it was an easy decision to double down on spend and go because people were home more using things more. So, but it, as we go into a potential, let's just call it a market correction because that feels better for me to say than recession. 
Um, what do these guys need to be aware of or what do these gals are listening need to need to be aware of? And, and do you think it's going to be that bad? Is it just, is it, is it really going to be that like 08, 09-ish bad? Is it, and where's your, what, what's your kind of gut feeling on, on this whole thing? Is it going to happen? Well, you, it's happening right now, but, uh, you know, the 08, 08, 09 stuff, I don't think it's going to be like that. But look, uh, you know, in, in, I had a deal with ARS on earnout <clears throat> between the years 2008 and 2010. And I, and I, my team and I got a, a, uh, multiple of the earnings that we created, uh, uh, between the beginning number and the end number in 2010. And so we did fantastic. We grew at a 35% CAGR every year during that recession. So our businesses are pretty recession proof, but I will say this. So here's, here's what the condition is though. Um, the, uh, the approval rates on financing will go start to go down. So you're not going to get as many deals bought. Uh, there's going to be some pressure on price. I've never, never seen anything uh, too daunting on that, but there's some pressure on price. So you, so you got to be a little more efficient. So in all this, in all cases right now, you're feeling that stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. You got to start thinking about being, you know, efficiency is the game, yeah. right? Product, productivity and efficiency is the game right now. And then add one more element to it though. Uh, you and I were talking about this this morning, but you know, I got, I got a business in Tucson, right. And, and I kind of enjoyed for many years kind of not having a lot of competition in Tucson. There's some good competition. Don't get me wrong, but not a lot. You know, you go to Phoenix, the day I stepped in Phoenix, I know I was in the man's game. There's real operators here and you got to play hard or you're left out in Phoenix, Vegas, you know, I've been really for a long time kind of owned, you know, kind of was my own, own little playground. Right. But now, you know, now in these markets in Tucson, I'm competing, I'm competing with Leland. I'm competing with Wyatt. I'm competing with, uh, who else is out there? Uh, mm, and that's the two major players, but you, we were talking about right way earlier, but no, you, yeah, you're in yeah, San I'm Antonio. With roll up with uh, right way. Yeah. There's a roll up. Uh, they went on with somebody. I don't remember who, but anyway, the point is, is that the level of sophistication in these markets is going to get bigger. When you got four or five of some of the top operators now operating in the same place, I don't know what that's going to really yeah. look like. Yeah. And that's happening more and more, obviously, with all the consolidation that's going on. I mean, you playing ball in San Antonio is a market I play ball in quite quite a bit, and same kind of deal. There's some pretty solid operations there as well. There did there is now we've taken a business and three x the revenue in two years yeah. there, um, but then again you can see the level of play. You know the advertising is coming up. The you know <laughs> here's another thing that you got to here. I want to put this out there too. You know when you when you get your business to the point to you really have a high fidelity on the numbers you really understand the cause and effect of each number on that financial statement and how to pull those levers you understand how you can run it differently you can change your model 
I can change my model in four or five different ways overnight. One of them being is we are the lowest cost producer. I've always tried to be the premium priced and premium quality provider, but we are the lowest cost producer, I assure you. Nobody buys air conditioners as well as we do. And and the way that we execute and our efficiency, we could we could take our pricing and cut it in half and still play and still make a profit. And or even deeper sometimes. So the one thing you got to think about is the scaled model, scaled players. There's going to be markets where you're going to get some pretty sophisticated players and it's going to up the level of play for everybody. So so should an independent be concerned? Um, I wouldn't say concerned. Just understand that that's happening and you know. to step up. You better step up a little bit, yeah. you know? I think that's a really great advice. Because mm-hmm. um, you're when you're talking about, you know, being efficient, and I was like, well, the other lever you have is the buying power piece of it too. And that is a major factor because if it comes down to it, you do have that that piece of the puzzle that you can use. That's important. But I think independence, like if anybody who's independent now who's listening heard him, you're going to have to step up. And especially if you don't have good brand equity in a market like that's a critical right so i mean i think you can even speak to taking gettle into a market with the power that gettle has behind it, the machine that gettle has behind it and saying oh now gettle's here you don't just have brand equity right because nobody knows who the hell gettle is and if you're in indianapolis let's throw it out there not in indianapolis i'm just saying so whereas having wills, at least you had wills in San Antonio, and you can build upon that existing brand equity and then put the machine behind it and build it. Now you're trying to ghettoize the nation. That is the that is the goal. That's the that's the game that you're playing. But if you don't have brand equity in your market, you're better. You're gonna have to step up and do something about it. And if that and that and if that means you got to create a brand that's worth that's worth uh, you know remembering. And creating a story behind it, kind of like you were able to do with with Roy, and um, then that's what you need to consider doing. To to, I think that's the game that we're headed. To, how can it not be with all the consolidation that's going on? So, so I my hope is that you listeners just stay aware and stay aware and be ready to step up, you know, and fight for the business, and you'll be just fine. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Well, let me tell you this too. I'm surprised how many guys I talk to that aren't in some sort of best practice group. It's amazing to me. Like you got to be in a best practice group. You got to be close to it. You got to at least be exposed and have resources to get the answers that you need, the tools you need. I mean, you know, most of the things I learned, I didn't know I needed to know them before I saw it. You, you, know, know, you, 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 know. Don't, you have no idea. And so you got to get yourself in, the, in that game. You know, 
people talk to me all the time about all, all different kinds of industries and, and what to do, how to get a business started. I said, I always say, first thing you do, find the best practice group of that industry, because usually there is, and join it and go spend a year there and know the players and know what's going on and figure out the business and start building your business model with those tools first and then get going. Yeah, I'm not reinventing it out of the gate, like just trying to figure it out when there's plenty of these groups. I think that just requires a little bit of patience, you know, <clears throat> and that will be hard for, you know, I started dabbling in the roofing industry a little bit more. And part of what I did that first year was just go to the, actually where it all started from was when <clears throat> me, you and Gerber went to the wind storm conference that Gerber was speaking at in like three years ago or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was two years ago. Cause he, he, that's right. Cause it's when you guys were in here and then we went there afterwards. That's, that was my first like, Hey, maybe I should start messing with this roofing industry because I don't see a whole lot of digital guys focusing in that space. And I, that was like my first thought. And then from then on, I started looking at different things. Well, I took on a few roofing contractors and I just sat on them for that first year. And I went and attended all the meetings and I just kind of tried to learn and watch and understand like what's important, the retail model versus commercial model, like all the end versus industrial. So I did that, but I didn't love having to sit and wait to learn it all. That was the hardest part was sitting and waiting to, to really get after it. And now I'm in it, you know, but, but I did do those things and it did make me more confident going into that with, you know, with the machine that is Rhino. Yeah. Well, Daniel's son, had the same experience <laughs> as you, right? That's true. Wax on, wax, wax off. On, but wax. let me tell you something. I mean, that's how you teach somebody, really, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so like, what? So, what's next here? Like, I, I didn't really know that what you were going to do beyond the completion of your thousand-day plan. Obviously, you're in it. Like you, the competition, I think that that constant knowledge is something that's. Um, I think as a driver for you, it seems like it's a pretty good driver for you. What's next? Like, are you going to, do you have another quote unquote thousand day plan in place to do something different? Are you there? Have you recognized what that plan is? Did you already know it before you went into it? Like, where are you, what, what's going on? Where are you at? Where are you going? So, uh, and when are you going to buy a roofing company with me? My, my, uh, <laughs> my, so my team and I got together and we decided we're doing another thousand day plan. So it's M2. M mean the Roman numeral for yep. a thousand, right? So M2. So we're just working M2 right now. We're, we're starting to build the um, infrastructure, the plan on, you know, what needs to happen when. We got the fundamentals of it and when we're executing fine. Um, so building the C-suite up, getting some, uh, putting some positions in that I didn't have before that I need to continue to scale the operations. Uh, hired a president, which is a new thing for me. And, you know, again, you get to this size, you need somebody that's just keeping the cadence of the operation, all the meetings, all the check-ins, all the accountability, the execution really happening. And, and frankly, that's not my thing. You know, I go find the opportunities and I put it together. But that daily execution, now we're going to have, you know, we went out and found a real great leader there. And then now I have a very, very strong uh, total management team. So I'm going to let them work on that. I'm going to kind of point in the right direction, look for some new opportunities. You know, I'm going to head up 
uh, you know, the, the overall direction of the company, all the innovation side and uh, M&A. Got it. So is the, is the B and is the B letter? I'm going to go find someone else to roll up. <laughs> um, now that I kind of got to this place and I understand it, I'm going to go find another industry to roll up. Another industry, you said? Yeah. Huh. Well, I got non-competes. Oh, okay. This one, right? Well, I know a good one. But let me tell you, <laughs> I mean, I'm still driving Gettle and I'm still the CEO and I will remain the CEO and I'm going to get this this next move done and, you know, keep the momentum going to realize their vision of Gettleizing the nation. Um, but I want to see, I want to make sure I'm not just a one-trick pony and go do another business. Well, just say the word. I'm in. All right. <laughs> I can make that one happen. Well, I can't stress, I cannot stress this enough. Um, you don't have to sell your business, number one. Keep keep growing it, keep earning it, but treat it like a private equity firm does. You know, you're, you are, you know, look at it for what it is. It's something you're building, something you're building to, uh, to help fund your primary aims in life. So that's what it is. You want to maximize the returns there so that your primary aims in life are covered, right? And then, you know, there is an element for guys who are who want to get in and play a bigger game and and stretch themselves and see how, how far they can climb. I mean, you know, at a, after a certain point and after selling another one another business, I'm kind of like just in the game of how far can I really go? Yeah. You, know, you know, I always had this dream of when I was a kid banging the gavel at the New York Stock Exchange. Now, my partners tell me that going public is nothing you really want to do, but I still want to do it just to realize the goal. Like, be up. I'm ta finally yeah. <clears throat> taking my HVAC and plumbing company public. You know, that seems like a... a, a uh, or the experience, Pretty right? Gold box to check. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just working on things like that. So I'm going to roll up another industry, and I'm going to lead Gettle to coast to coast. That's what I'm doing. So is is the number in your brain the billion dollar number? We got to get to the beast now, right? <laughs> it's going to be some work, man. I mean, listen, anything less than that's a hobby, right? <laughs> I mean, like, when you when you see when you see the kind of money that's been thrown around with. With a bunch of us knuckleheads, you know, got to be a billion. Got it. Love it. Well, what I hear you saying is if I could like recap this whole thing in regards to private equity, you want to do it the right way. Not the easy way. Not the easy way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be careful. I mean, and let me tell you this. I'm out, you know, I'm out looking for partners in business. I want to, I want, I'm looking for people who want to, uh, build the Gettle brand and, and be part of the legacy and heritage of something like that and pick up their game, learn, you know, really elevate their game in business for their next move. Like yeah. I'm already planning my next roll up, but I'm still in the middle of this one. Right. Right. So that opportunity is afforded to everybody. Uh, but that said, um, Hey, if you got any questions or concerns, you're doing a deal, you don't, you know, I'm happy to just share my experience yeah, sure. And um, obviously, at any point in time, if you want us to connect you with Ken, we are certainly happy to do that, too. Um, 
he's been on plenty of times. So it's not too difficult to get a hold of him. He's pretty responsive. Um, but I will say this, even in the short, well, gosh, it's, I guess it's been, you and I first met in 2020, January of 2020, physically, like we first met face-to-face 2020. That's the first time we actually ever spoke to one another. From that, from then to this point, um, between just personal or business like relationships, um, just having been around you and listened to you and, under, and, and ask questions of you, um, I've learned a ton, you know, um, about taking a step back from this business as the CEO and looking at it on, Hey man, how can I do more with this that I didn't know three years ago that I could do? So, yeah. And, and I guess the point I was really trying to press too on this podcast was I got, I got to that understanding through these different experiences that I put myself into, right? Because if you do the same thing every day, that's kind of your circle of knowledge, right? So, um, you know, I encourage everybody to kind of get out and look at business, you know, start learning about business, not your specific, your business or how to sell something, but just look at the business. You know, here's an interesting thing that that uh, came up in, uh, in the um, interviews I was doing with the PE firms. When you were trying to find the right one. Yeah. Right. So I said, well, why are you guys interested in this space? And he said, well, the industry grows all by itself at 4%. So that's not bad. And then it's pretty good, actually. And then he said, then, you know, you tweak something here or there, you know, uh, add a little capital to it, add a little uh, different player, maybe an acquisition. Now that 4% turns into 8%, 12%, 20%, right? So just I want to give you a perspective on how they look at it. The industry grows at 4%. So if I have a business that's making a million dollars, I know that next year it's just probably going to be a million forty thousand, right? Right. Um, Based on the average. But not by not really doing much. Right. So what if? Yeah. So a couple little tweaks here and there, and you really start to look at it as a machine. And I know, man, better than anyone, how easy it is to walk in that business one day and this whirlwind of nonsense is going on <laughs> and you can't think about anything other than the, what's right in front of you. Yep. But I urge you, day, yep. yeah, try to pull back from it and say, okay, here's where I'm at. Here's what I got. Here's where it could be. How do I get it there? And you and I were talking a little bit at a time too that as the business scales, firefighting, that's what I'm going to call it, seems to just kind of be something that, happens like more consistently just because of the sheer volume that you're doing and the growth that comes with that. I mean, seems to me like there's, that's kind of become more regular. I'm not saying the fires are like these out of control fires, just in general, like things you got to work through in the business, an operational miss, a management miss, a personnel miss, whatever it is. There's just constantly something that you're having to like resolve, but you, you have to find a, a way to give someone else the authority to manage that and fix that while you take a step back to and continue to look at your, like you said, as an asset to really kind of get to see the big picture to understand, man, how do I really scale this thing? And well, you can't do it while you're in the shit. I, I it's funny you say that because it reminds me of a conversation I had yesterday with a guy and he just, he had just done a, a transaction, you know, 
I think he did well. I didn't ask, but, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, you know, we're going to grow by 40 million this year and we're going to be a hundred million by this time and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm thinking, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not because you're all you're focused on is that revenue number. And you got to understand more revenue requires more infrastructure. Right. And so, you know, somebody uh, somebody, a team of people better be working on an infrastructure every single day to fortify it, to support the growth, or it doesn't matter how much more sales you do, it will not translate to a profit. Been there a million times. Lots of people listening have been there a million times, right? So all these guys pounding their chest, oh, we're going to be 60 million in EBITDA tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not. You don't even have, like, you don't, you don't have a bookkeeper. What are you talking about? You know, you got to understand you're building a machine. The machine has to have an infrastructure. It has to have the moving parts that support the output, right? Mm -hmm. And that has to be growing along with the revenue. And the likelihood of somebody growing the revenue that fast and the infrastructure that fast along, along with it is pretty slim. It has to be kind of a seesaw, right? So you sales go up. Then you say, ah, we better slow down and catch up with infrastructure. Infrastructure, uh, focus on infrastructure goes up, then back and forth. I mean, ideally, you keep it level, but it doesn't seem to quite go that way. Maybe you keep your swings lower. But that's another thing to think about. You know, growth costs money. Growth requires attention. Growth requires more systems. So you don't think that you're going to get in this game. All of a sudden, you're going to go from you know, 50 million to $250 million in two years, you got to get the infrastructure put together. And that's a major task to get the right people uh, and the right setup to put it together on the fly while you're flying the damn airplane. Yeah. Well, and part of it, even if I'm a listener, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, that sounds like so much, so many things that I don't quite understand. If you heard Ken say, this is where like getting in peer groups is incredibly important too, because you'll begin to understand with a little bit of extra support on how to start to build those things that you're not thinking of. Because like you'd said, as you've kind of been down this path and went through the different sponsors, you've continued to learn new things about, you know, like you didn't know what you didn't know type of thing. Well, I think a lot of contractors know, like, well, I've got these things. I have my operations, I've got my marketing, I've got my sales, I've got my, all my finances, but I don't know what to do to build the infrastructure to support it, where to start. This is why being involved in peer groups is important to be a part of. And, and being a student of the business is important because then you begin to learn and understand more of those like little pillars or levers that you can have to use to build that infrastructure. And then also, you I mean, the management piece, I think, if you would agree, is the key, is, is a lot of the key ingredient because those are the ones that are driving those processes and the ongoing check-ins of the KPIs and like the businesses you can't do it all at some point when you're trying to grow to a even a ten million dollar EBITDA. Like some, you got to have some some good people in place that that can help also bring that skill in. You're bringing it. You brought in people from outside the industry to bring in different knowledge, different skill sets. So be open to maybe not doing it like everybody else, but you also got to be aware of you got to have that infrastructure to support the growth. It's like when somebody you know messages me, Ken, and they say, "Hey, man, I want to bring you on board." Um, 
to take over digital for the company and we're sitting at uh, 80 million today and we want to be at 120 million, you know, by the end of next year or like some, some like crazy number, maybe that's a, a bit, a bit harsh, but somebody who says they want to go from 10 to 30 million. My first question I always say to them is, well, what are you doing uh, on the infrastructure to support that type of growth? Because otherwise it's just, you're throwing out a random number to me. Do you have a recruiting in place for it? Do you have like, what, what's it look like? How many service sites you have? How many install crews you have? You got to have the infrastructure to support it. Law of diminishing returns. Right. And you better be incredibly efficient. (laughs) Yeah, but you got, you know, in other words, more, more sales, do not automatically equate to more profit. Yep, that's right? 100%. And so, you know, I got all these guys around, running around and everyone's got the new EBITDA, EBITDA. EBITDA. <laughs> uh, you know, vernacular, which most of them don't, I don't believe really understand what it means and the impact of their business, but it's cash flow. So look, um, the focus is really needs to be on building a business that that is not risky for someone to buy, right? Mm. The least amount of risk, the higher price they'll pay, right? So if you have a great management team, if you have metrics on every employee, if you have a compliance division that's making sure that everything that needs to be checked in compliance is being checked, if you have management development, if you have on and on and on, you have a real business that you that you know that the, the majority of places where you can get tripped up are being monitored and uh, they're all static, you have a valuable, more valuable business. We got a much higher multiple because we had a single brand strategy. I was, you know, I'm not trying to be everything to everybody in every market and all the nonsense and that comes along with all these different brands. Um, I have uh, our infrastructure. We've spent, that's one thing that Bomb really did, said we got to get the infrastructure built. So we invested heavily in the infrastructure and people and process and softwares and everything and tied that together. I mean, most of these businesses that are getting bought and sold, the infrastructure isn't there, and the PE firms are like, yeah, we'll put that together with you. Mine's up, mine was already done, which drove the value. Got it. Our, and, and our organic growth really drove our value because, you know, they see that the machine works. You don't have to continue to buy things to artificially inflate your earnings. So the, 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 uh, the businesses that we do that we buy are actually additive. They're not just making up for poor performance. So there's all these kind of nuances that you got to think about. Again, back to the whole statement of if you're going to keep a business, run it like a PE guy does. You'll have the you'll you'll have the you know you'll create the maximum value and the maximum income. Do it the right way, not the easy way. Yep. <laughs> well, that was a clinic on private equity. <laughs> <laughs> you want to keep talking? I can keep going. Now. That was pretty good. Um, well, I will say this, um, there's actually, uh, I love having these conversations with you too, because we talk about so many different things. And every time that we're talking, I always learn something new. I hear something new. Um, I hear different you know stories that you have. Um, and in this point, you know, this time it was that you had done a couple of these where you felt like it was at a, you hit a wall. It was hard and maybe that wasn't the right decision, you know, to make. And so maybe having known what you know now, you wouldn't have done it the same. 
because um, we know some of the listeners are going through the same thing. But point being is I'm always learning something new about your journey. Um, but this was great, man. I think there's a lot of good information here too. Um, and again, to the listeners, uh, you know, Ken um, is certainly gracious with his his time. And, and if you reach out and help, he does want to be helpful. Um, I know that you get quite a bit of people reaching out to you. So if he doesn't respond to you once, re- reply again. I know him well. His, listen, I can text Ken. He won't reply to me until the third time. So, and I've got a good relationship with him. Um, but but he is there to to, to help out. And hey, take look, advantage I of those tell things. people, look, just don't don't be. Don't get offended. I'm very busy and very unorganized. <laughs> <laughs> I know that about you. I know that about you, and so I understand. Um, but listeners, again, you know, if you're thinking about going down this this path, go back and re-listen to this thing because I guarantee you missed something. You know that you need to think about and take away too. But but we've had plenty of these conversations, and if you go back and look through some of the episodes that KG and I have done, we've done some that talks about. Um, the different ways to go about, you know, private equity relationships, um, all kinds of stuff. You know, one, one that you and I did kind of off topic that I was going to share with you is the first episode that you and I co-hosted together was at the AHR expo with the IAQ guy. (laughs) I never panned out. (laughs) I didn't pan out. No, I I think he thinks I thought I was picking on him. I was probably too hard on him, but. I wouldn't pick it on. I liked his device. Yeah, I didn't think it was it was hard. Didn't pan out. But uh, I will say the second one that we had done with T.R. Miller, I thought I got a lot of um, I got a lot of people reaching out to me saying that the dynamic was really great because we're coming from two different places, which does make and you are asking really thoughtful questions. And what was nice about that is where is where the the T.R. Miller guys are at is probably where a lot of the listeners are at and that kind of say three to 25 million space. And he starts talking about his journey. Well, you start hammering him with things along the way that he actually took back from that, went and implemented the business and they're kind of hitting another growth spurt too, which is cool. Oh, good. So, but um, we got to do more of this co-hosting stuff. I know it's a pain in the ass for, for you because of just where you're at in regards to being busy. I'm here and in this office most of the time. So, but we got to do more of that. I like doing that. You want to do that? Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. Let's do it. All right. Well, that's all I got. I want to finish with this too. We'll probably have to two-part this thing there, Ryan. But um, would you, I've never done this before. Would you like, you know how we usually finish with reading a review? Uh-huh. We have a review right here for the podcast. Would you like to read this review for us? I'll circle over. Oh. Go ahead and read it. So just read the name of the person who left it and then uh, and then whatever the messages that they left. I haven't read it, so I have no idea what it says. Can you read that? Do you need some glasses? I can read it, but like, you know. I'm not, I don't really try to. All you're doing is reading the review. All right. This is a review for the podcast. (laughs) M. Knight Olinger. From Mr. M. Knight Olinger. Okay. Not M. Knight Shyamalan. This is gold. There are plenty of folks who want to teach how to grow a business. Few actually have time in the trenches to give actual advice. Ken is full of practical wisdom. Great podcast. Oh, that's why you said that. Okay. Uh, yeah. I didn't even read the review. That's it. So I didn't even know it referenced you. Well, I think I hate about like <laughs> wisdom. Here's what I hate about the word wisdom because it's like only old people give wisdom. I'm not fucking old. Listen, no, hold on. Hang on. <laughs> hang on a second. I got my balls busted for not using <laughs> wisdom. Okay. Remember? I know you remember. Sat right here and told me 
Knowledge and wisdom, not tips and tricks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen. I That's really, nice. I, so thank I, you, M. Knight. Yeah. That, I, actually, I, I literally did, I didn't even read it, so I had no clue. I was like, why, why are you worried about pounding your chest, Kim? I like, like oh, that it's name, about though, M. Knight. M. Knight Olinger. Well, shout out to you. Um, and I appreciate you leaving the review. And obviously, <laughs> listeners, man, we really appreciate when you leave those reviews. And especially, again, when you leave them for the guests that are on, because I like to share it with them. Um, I'm going to leave you with this one thing, too. In uh, one of the previous episodes, too, we had with Jim Abrams. One thing he said I thought was really, really good was he had said, um, sometimes you just got to make the decision and know that they're not always going to be the right decisions. It's like you just got to make the damn decision and move on and either you win or you learn. And I thought that was really I thought that was really thoughtful. So, KG, man, I appreciate you coming on here, coming in here to meet with us. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thanks. And I know you're all over the place, too, and making time for me isn't, isn't easy, but I'm grateful. So, um, listeners... Take advantage. You don't got to do everything he said, but you got to do something. No zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.